This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. You're listening to Coffin Cast. Please be aware that this is a dark subject matter and may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Coffin Cast, Episode 6, Season 2. It's me, Kristen. Hi, it's been a while, hasn't it? How are the kids? You're looking wonderful. Have you lost weight? It's been so long. I'm sorry. But, hey, we're here together again, and boy, am I making up for lost time with this episode, ladies and gentlemen, and not ladies and not gentlemen. Wow. Okay, but first, let's let's get some things out of the way before we get into this week's episode, because holy cow, hold on to your butts, it's going to be a good one. So, first, this has been an emotional, frustrating, upsetting, but very hopeful week for America, and I think the world in general. Last week, I did do the Black Lives Matter podcast blackout protest, and I appreciate those of you that are still here. There are some people that are not. And that's unfortunate, but I think people sometimes forget that we are people behind the mics. We have our own feelings and thoughts and what have you, and we have our own politics. This to me is not politics. This is about what's right and what's wrong. I have no idea why it's so controversial. I can't even say... I've never been able to say controversial. Have I? I think I've messed that up on several episodes. I don't get what the big deal is about saying Black Lives Matter. Why that triggers people so hard. It doesn't mean that no one else does. It means that for all lives to matter, Black lives have to matter too. And right now... It's seeming like they don't. So until they do, all lives can't matter. So with that, ending racism is not about politics. It's not this big shocking thing. It's the right thing. So that's all I'm going to say on it this week. The conversation is not over, however. Just putting that out there. If this bugs you, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not sorry. No, I'm not sorry. (laughs) If it bugs you, then there's a million other podcasts you can listen to. But this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I love you. Let's go. Let's go on with the episode. Also, so a while ago for the 6K giveaway, isn't that a catchy name? 6K giveaway. Um, I did say I was going to be giving away a shirt. I did do a random drawing. Not a lot of you. I don't know what it is. It's like my downloads are great, but nobody wants to enter contests when I offer them. Um... So Paula, at Goodnight Paula on Twitter, has won a t-shirt. Public is being a pain in the butt, so it's taking me a while to get it done, but I will be getting it done. Thank you, Paula, for entering, and your reviews, and everybody's reviews. Thank you so much for doing this. 
I'm closing in on 7K, so, and I'm closing in on a year of doing this and being at 7K, that's that's pretty crazy. So keep, keep an eye out for maybe another giveaway or something, I don't know. I haven't thought it through just yet. Things have been happening so fast over here. So let's get into the episode. Oh boy, Whew. it's racy, but it's also terribly, terribly graphic. Gentlemen especially, <laughs> this is gonna hurt. So I'm just gonna preface this by saying this is a very graphic, very disturbing, horrifying episode. If if you're very sensitive, you're I don't know why you're here if you are, but if you are, maybe maybe listen to a different episode or wait till next time. But this is a this is a doozy. This is a good one. So I'll preface this by saying, have you ever been so enraptured with someone that it kind of consumed everything you did? Like you wake up thinking about this person, you spend all day thinking about them, you go to sleep and dream about them, and if you, you know, if there's sex involved, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a 12 year old apparently and sex makes me giggle. The sex is so good, you never want it to end, like, ever. You just want it to keep going. Yeah, me neither. But either way, most of us have had less some point in our lives that bordered on overwhelming. Most of us can keep it in check. But there's this one woman that loved her man so much, she straight up went crazy jealous. Not like call him every few minutes, show up at his house every night, or cuts every bitch who looks at him sideways. No, she took it so far further than that. With that, let me introduce you to the original crazy girlfriend, Sada Abe. But first, I want to introduce you to my good friend Dan over at Assorted Goods. Let him tell you a little bit about himself, and then let's get kinky. You know, keeping up with what's going on in the world can sometimes feel like it's more trouble than it's worth. The news can be scary and make you want to scream, or there's just simply too much out there to keep up with. But that's why there's the Assorted Goods Podcast. It's the amateur's guide to world events, where each episode we take a closer look at a collection of stories that slip through the cracks of the regular news cycle. So find Assorted Goods on whatever podcast app you use, and join me in my attempts to learn a little more about the world. One story at a time. Sada Abe was born on May 28, 1905 in Kanda, Tokyo. She was the seventh of eight children born to a family of tatami mat makers, which was a lucrative business at the time. Her parents seemed to be rather well-liked and respected in the community, so what happened with their children was a little strange. Sada's oldest brother was a womanizer who got married, ditched his wife, and then stole a large amount of his parents' money, and then ran away. Her sister was extremely promiscuous, and for punishment, her parents sold her to a brothel, which was common at the time, kind of a common punishment for being promiscuous. But they did end up bringing her back home, and she married and had a normal life after that, as one does. So where does that leave Sada? Well, Sada was the apple of her mother's eye. Sada pretty much got away with everything. 
She could do whatever she wanted, but her mother really wanted her to be a geisha. She got her singing lessons, shamisen lessons, in hopes that she would be picked up. But as she grew older, as attention was paid on her surviving siblings who were causing all sorts of trouble, Sada was usually kicked out of the house for the time being so the grown-ups could talk and so she and her sensitive ears wouldn't hear what was going on with, say, her brother or her sister. During one of these times she was kicked out of the house, she was raped by an acquaintance, and her behavior after naturally became different. In order to provide her with some stability and directions, her parents sold her to a geisha house in Yokohama in 1922. But, because most geishas are trained from a rather young age, she didn't do very well. She never rose above the lowest station, which required her to be intimate with clients. And it didn't pay very well. So, when she caught syphilis, she decided, you know what, if I have to sleep with them anyway, why not get some more money for it? She got her syphilis taken care of, and then she moved to Osaka to become a prostitute. Osaka at the time had a hopping legal prostitution system, and though it is illegal today, the Tobita brothel district is still there and kicking. The brothels operate under a guise of being Japanese-style restaurants, and whatever happens between the waitresses and the clients is purely between them. Just in case you find yourself in Osaka and you're lonely, you're welcome. Sada, well... Sada was a shitster, for lack of a better word. She was constantly getting in fights with other prostitutes, stealing money from clients, and getting arrested. After about two years, she was able to get out of the legal prostitution system and move to unlicensed brothels. When her mother died in 1933, she returned home to Tokyo and began working in a brothel there to take care of her father. Her father died shortly thereafter in 1934. In October of that year, Sada was arrested in a raid of unlicensed brothels, but the owner of the brothel's friend, Kinosuke Kasahara, got her out of prison. He asked her if she would be his personal mistress, and she agreed. He gave her a house and a salary, but Kinosuke learned soon, you should be careful what you wish for. This one is for all you guys and gals out there that want your lady to be more sexually aggressive. Listen to what he said about her during her trial. Quote, she was really strong, a real powerful one. Even though I'm pretty jaded, she was enough to astound me. She wasn't satisfied until we... God. She wasn't satisfied unless we did it two, three, or four times a night. To her, it was unacceptable unless I had my hand on her private parts all night long. At first, it was great, but after a couple of weeks, I got a little exhausted. End quote. So Sada asked Kenosuke if he would leave his wife and marry her. He said no. She's like, okay, fine, since I need it all the time and you won't marry me, let me take a lover. To which he again replied, no. The relationship ended soon thereafter and Sada had this to say about Kenosuke later. He didn't love me and he treated me like an animal. He was the kind of scum who would plead with me when I said we should break up. With that affair over, she left for Nagoya. She decided to leave the sex industry for a time and become a maid at a restaurant where she met another man, Gora Omaya, who she became romantically involved with. He was a professor and an aspiring member of Japanese parliament. She contracted syphilis yet again and Goro paid for her to go to a spa to have it taken care of. 
She and he moved back to Tokyo together, where he suggested she learn the restaurant business and maybe open one of her own. She took his advice and began apprenticing at the Yoshidaya restaurant in February of 1936 at the age of 31. It was then she met the owner of the restaurant who would become the catalyst for a lot of what happens in this story. See, you thought this was going to be like a hooker with a heart of gold story and a girl who works her way from the brothels to become a fancy restaurateur. No, this is Coffin Cast. We don't do that. So enter, enter Kichi Izo Ishida, 42, restaurant owner along with his wife. He was a sexy dude and he knew it and he was a horrible womanizer. He also let his wife do a lot of the work while he was just kind of the pretty face of the restaurant. When Sada started working there, it wasn't long before his attentions turned abruptly to her. At this point, Goro was no longer doing the trick for her sexually, and she was picking up what Kichi Izo was throwing down. Just two months later, the two got busy for the first time, according to legend, while a geisha sang a love ballad in the background. For Seda, that was it. She was in love. She would say about him later, quote, It is hard to say exactly what was so good about Ishida but it was impossible to say anything bad about his looks, his attitude, his skill as a lover, the way he expressed his feelings. I had never met such a sexy man, end quote. The two arranged for a short stay at a tea house so they could get busy in more private settings. It was just to be an afternoon, maybe a night, that turned into four days of not getting out of bed for anything but essential needs. They wouldn't stop for the maids that came in to deliver sake, nor the geishas that would come in to sing. It was a literal four-day fuckfest. Just kidding. They were in that tea house for four days before moving to another tea house where the four-day fuckfest turned into, wait for it, a 14-day fuckfest. When it was finally over and they returned to the restaurant, Sada began to get jealous, and her jealousy caused her to drink to excess. The thought of her lover returning to his wife tortured her to the point where she began to have crazy thoughts. She flew at him with a kitchen knife one night because he wore a kimono that a patron of the restaurant, a female patron, complimented him on. He loved this shit and laughed it off. A few days later, the two went back to the tea house they had previously had so much fun in. This time, Sada began to get a bit scary. After lovemaking once, Sada put a knife to the base of his member and threatened him, saying, If you ever sleep with another woman, I'll cut it off. Kitchy, as she referred to him at this point, laughed it off. He loved her jealousy. It made him feel desirable or something. So two nights into Fuckfest 2, Electric Boogaloo, May 16th, Sada began to choke Kichi mid-coitus. She stopped, but he told her he liked it and to continue it as it heightened the pleasure. So he did it to her. They took turns doing this. Once as Kichi was coming, she strangled him with her obi sash. His face began to change colors and distort, and it did not return back to normal. And he mentioned that he was in a significant amount of pain. He took 30 tablets of comatin, which is a sedative, and according to her, as he was falling asleep, he told her, quote, You'll put the cord around my neck and squeeze it again when I'm sleeping, won't you? If you start to strangle me, don't stop, because it will be so painful afterwards. 
end quote. Around two in the morning on May 18th, Kichi was asleep and she decided it was time to end it. She tied the sash around his neck and strangled him until he died. The end. Just kidding. Be prepared. She did strangle him until he died. But that wasn't the end of it. She lay with his body for a few hours before she decided to do something that will cause most of the men listening to cross their legs, cover their junk, weep in a fetal position. I am so very sorry. Please prepare yourselves before I go into this. If you need to stop, if you need to cover yourself with a blanket, if, if you need a drink, take a deep breath. We're going to get through this together. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Okay. She took the knife she had threatened him with and cut off his meat and veg. <sighs> then with the blood she wrote on his thigh, Seida Ishida no Kichi Futari Kiri, which translates to, We, Sada and Kichi Ishida, are alone. She then carved her name into his left arm. She said after she killed him, quote, I felt totally at ease, as though a heavy burden had been lifted from my shoulders, and I felt a sense of clarity, end quote. She took his meat and veg and put them in a satchel, put on Kichi's undies, and then walked out of the tea house saying he was asleep and not to disturb him. She found her former lover, Goro, and apologized to him. He thought she was apologizing for leaving him for someone else, but it turned out she knew she was about to wreck his political career just by being associated with her. And then she left town. On May 19th, Kichi was discovered and the search for Sada began. She had become a legend overnight and people were terrified of her. Scratch that, men were terrified of her. There were sightings all over Japan. But Sada was chilling in Shinagawa. She went to a movie, got a massage, drank some beer, got a room at an inn under a pseudonym. She began to write letters of goodbye to her friends and family and had planned to commit suicide exactly one week after the murder. Now, she tried to, forgive me, have intercourse with his severed member to no avail. She said, quote, I felt attached to Ishida's penis and thought that only after taking leave from it quietly could I then die. I unwrapped the paper holding them and gazed at this... I swear I'm a 12-year-old. And gazed at his penis and scrotum. I put his penis in my mouth and even tried to insert it inside me. It didn't work, however, though I kept trying and trying. Then I decided I would flee to Osaka, staying with Ashita's penis all the while. In the end, I would jump off a cliff on Mount Ikoma while holding on to his penis. At 4 p.m. on May 19th, the day he was discovered, one day after this all happened, she was discovered by police. She was very nonchalant about it, saying exactly who she was, admitting to what she had done. But because she was so nonchalant and not worried and chill about it, police didn't believe her. So she went ahead and produced the evidence. <laughs> she was interrogated and seemed to delight in talking about what she had done. When asked why she had done the little extra thing, she said, quote, because I couldn't take his head or body with me, 
I wanted to have the part of him that brought back to me the most vivid memories, end quote. The penis and testicles were sent off to the Tokyo University Medical Department's Pathology Museum and were eventually put on display. They have since disappeared. (laughs) And because I know you're curious, he was average. On December 21st, 1936, Abe was convicted of murder in the second degree and mutilation of a corpse. The prosecution demanded 10 years of Abe's life, but she said she wanted the death penalty And she ended up getting just six years in prison for what she had done. She ended up being released in five on the exact day of Kichi's murder. The copy of her interrogation became a bestseller in Japan overnight. And her story has been turned into other books and movies. One of my personal favorite movies in the realm of senses, which is still banned in Japan. Rightfully so. She had a one-woman stage show and by the 1970s she had completely disappeared but somebody did end up finding her in a nunnery where she lived out the rest of her days. It's not known exactly when she died, but they do know it was sometime after 1971. I would like to personally apologize to anyone with male genitalia that listened to this episode. I am very sorry. I know it was hard. (laughs) Haha, that's what she said. I know it was difficult, but we got through it together. Your junk is still intact. You are okay. Take a breath. Breathe. You're fine. We're all fine. It's still there. You can check now if you'd like to. Did you check? Please do. Is it still there? You're fine. Okay, so... (laughs) Yeah, that, that was a doozy. So I watched the movie... In the realm of senses it was actually on hulu of all places like five or so years no it was more than five years ago i think it was like eight years ago and i was like oh this is a very i mean it's a very graphic film from the intimacy and of course the final act but it's mostly they focus on the intimacy portion of it it's basically unsimulated if that makes sense and it's a very pretty film. It's a very beautiful film. It's an artsy film. It's still banned in Japan because it's so unsimulated. I mean, the the final act is of course simulated because the actor is still alive. It was made in the 70s. But I highly recommend it if you're not easily, you know, if you're not a prude. Not that I want to, you know, if you're not into that, that's fine. You don't have to be. But it's, it's a film that I think a lot of people should watch. It's very interesting. And I didn't realize that it was a true story until I googled. I wanted to google about one of the actors. Because he was very handsome. And um, I found out it was a true story. And yikes, ladies and gents and non-ladies and gents. Whoa. So... With that said, let's wrap up this week. I did say I had a special announcement on Twitter, so I'm going to go ahead and give you that special announcement now. So, as you may know, I am a part of another podcast, Dispatches of Disassociation, with Jeff from the Round and Round podcast and also Dan from Assorted Goods. But because I'm a glutton for punishment, I joined another podcast. I was invited to join, ladies and gents, Cage's Kiss. 
I'm going to be the bonus kiss. I don't know if I'm going to be on every episode. I, I believe I am. But I'm going to be a regular member of Cage's Kiss. So I'm so excited. Um, Linda has been... She's becoming, like, probably one of my best friends. I love Linda so much. And um, I've been on the show a couple times. And I really got along with Donnie and Adrian as well. And they invited me to join a couple weeks ago. And I think I'm starting officially either next week or the week after. I'm not 100% sure. But soon. It's happening soon. So Coffin Cast is still happening bi-weekly. And Dispatches of Disassociation is still happening. And I've got like a million other podcast ideas in my brain that aren't happening because if I do, I'll lose my mind. But yeah, so I'm going to be joining them. So you can listen to me there too if you want kind of a more casual, conversational, goofy situation. Not so serious, so it's it's a little bit lighter. But find me there. So I'll be on Cage's Kiss Dispatches of Disassociation and Coffin Cast. So you can find me in those places. So find me on Twitter at Coffin Cast at yeah, at Coffin Cast with a capital C. You can find me on Instagram at Coffin Cast Pod. I am no longer on Facebook because I hate Facebook. I quit last week because I was done with it. So I don't think there's a Facebook page for Coffin Cast anymore. If you have ideas for stories or just want to talk, you can find me at coffeecastpod at gmail.com. Rate me on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe anywhere that you can subscribe. Rate me on Podchaser. Give me your love. I need your love because I love you and I need that love back. So with that, let's let's go ahead and close up this episode. Hey, I am so glad you exist. You're beautiful. I love you. It'll get better. We'll get better. I love you. Have an excellent week, couple weeks. Listen to Dispatches. Listen to Cage's Kiss. And I'll see you next week. Have a good one.